Outlet Liquor is your place to buy a case. Stock up and save when you shop the lowest prices available every day at Outlet Liquor. You never have to wait for a sale. The more you buy, the more you save. Only at Outlet Liquor. What's your outlet? Folks, it is Trainwreck Tonight 305, sponsored by Outlet Liquor. Your place to buy a case. And we have a ton of awesome stuff happening on the show. We got Slick L joining us to talk Sugar Sean the weekend. And of course, Bill Steelers. And talking about Bill Steelers, we're joined by Jenna Harner of WPXI to talk the Pittsburgh side, talk their reaction, her fallout as a former Buffalo sports journalist, and something else she's got going. But a lot more ahead. Let's go. You don't stop. You don't stop. You don't stop. You don't stop. Folks, welcome back to Trainwreck tonight, 305, sponsored by Outlet Liquor, your place to buy a case. Let's get them in here without further ado. It was a crazy weekend, and you know it was slick in more ways than one, so let's bring them in here. Slick L, how are you doing today, sir? Fantastic. Uh, beautiful start to the week, beautiful weekend we had, and uh, a lot of action, and I can't complain about it. It was thrilling, and I had a great time. Seriously, the action was nonstop from beginning to end. So let's go kind of reverse order here. Um, we'll start with something that actually happened before the weekend. Typically, we do weekend recap. Unfortunately, last week, uh, the passing of Rick Jenneret, famed legendary Sabres play-by-play man for basically half a century. I know you, myself, uh, Supreme, Al, and Co. were lucky enough to be in attendance RJ night a couple years ago. Um, you know, I guess just what was your reaction to this, uh, finding it out late in the week and, you know, what was your reaction to seeing kind of all the clips posted and, and the way that, you know, everyone's kind of been handling it? I think my initial reaction, despite his age was shock because, you know, RJ was a very personal guy. You know, we all thought we knew him so well because he was the voice of one of our favorite franchises. And for many of us, including me, the voice of our childhood in a lot of ways and to for him to keep it 
on such the down low that he was going through organ failure um, for the past couple of years. Um, you know, it was a bit of a surprise, a bit of a slap in the face, especially when once he stepped away from the hockey world. Not much news about him at all that we were hearing. Um, but he lived a good life. You know, 81 is quite old. And I, I was just happy to hear that it seemed to be pretty peaceful and without any issues gone by, you know, his family seemed to be taking it well. They're very grateful for all the support. I loved all the tributes on Twitter the next day, all the best goal calls. I thought that was a very appropriate way to remember RJ amongst uh, Sabres Twitter. Even though Sabres Twitter can be pretty toxic, that was pretty touching of them. Yeah, of course. Sabres Twitter has their own way. But yeah, it's one of those things that's like larger than any debate, any argument, anything like that, for sure. Um, The thing that stuck out to me really is like, yeah, you see all the fame calls like Mayday, LaFontaine, Pominville and OT against Ottawa. It was kind of the more like random ones that I didn't know about that kind of like were putting a smile on my face the next couple of days. Uh, Just some ones from like the late 90s, uh, you know, some in the early 2000s, you know, post Hashik, but before, you know, the lockout of the Miller jury Breer days. So it was really nice to see. And then obviously, you know, great to see was um, alumni Plaza, obviously playing out some of the greatest calls. I mean, that I, I wrote uh, on Twitter, make it permanent. And I just feel like that should be the case. I mean, you're walking into a Sabres game, the audio that greets you shouldn't be, you know, with all of due respect, WGR 550 or anything on Odyssey radio or anything, it should be the RJ calls and it should be the Sabres history as you're walking into that arena. I agree. I think they should keep the RJ kind of statue they have out there too. The one that they kind of introduced on RJ night, you know, a lot of people are leaving gifts, flowers at the base of that statue. I think that's very touching. I could see what, if they didn't leave it out there, but I think for at least a few months, I think, that's uh, very appropriate. I love the thank you, RJ banner in the first window you see as well. And we'd be um, remiss if we didn't mention RJ's banner is hanging in the rafters for Sabres eternity. So it's good to know he'll always be not too far from KeyBank Center. And I guess on the subject with the calls playing in Alumni Plaza and what I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite RJ call? Um, well, it's not, it's not a... You know, it's the funny thing is, is really they occurred over the span of one week, my two favorites. And it has to do with, you know, my era has to do with me growing up with the Sabres. Um, It's game three against Ottawa in 2006, and it's game five against Ottawa in 2006 with the Palmville goal. The game three in 2006, Dumont puts them up uh, three nothing over the Senators uh, in overtime, you know, basically a series where the Sabres were probably if, you know, if I had to go back and look at the gambling odds, like plus 200 plus 250, maybe in the series, but then to be up three Oh, in the series, there was just kind of an elation in, you know, RJ's voice. And then obviously beating the Senators in Ottawa on Pominville's shorthand winner. I mean, just the rarity of a shorthanded overtime series ending goal first off. And then you get the fact that they were such underdogs uh, to kind of win that series in the way they did. So those two stick out to me the most. Anyone, uh, you know, that sticks out to you? Um, All from around the same time period. You know, we all love the top shelf for Mama Hides the Cookies. But for me specifically, it's got to be – it's still a fan favorite – but it's right around the time that I really fell in love with hockey and specifically the Buffalo Sabres, RJ being a big part of that is the, Oh, now do you believe these guys are good? Scary good. Cause I just never heard a call like that. 
Yeah, it was it because it was like, you know, and, and that happens in any hockey series when it's best of seven. I mean, yeah, sure. A team might win one, two, even three games at the start or whatnot. But there were still doubters. There were still people saying that Alfredson Spezza Heatley, this, you know, superpower Ottawa team was going to come back and kind of, you know, show them what's what. And yeah, scary good. Now, do you believe they were scary good at that point? Obviously, uh, you know, you can ask any Sabres fan injuries and a bunch of, you know, catastrophes basically kept them out of the finals and a potential cup. But yeah, yeah. that team was something special and RJ really uh, knew how to do it. And that was kind of, you know, again, just putting a bow on it because you could talk about RJ for literally hours on hours on days and days on weeks and weeks. Uh, but that was what it was like you said, he kind of just, you know, he felt like he was a member of your home, felt like he was a member of your family. He made the Sabres like part of everyone's lives and he made them exciting and fun, even when they weren't for the last 10 years. Absolutely. Um, rest in peace, RJ. We'll all miss you dearly. Seriously. RIP RJ. Um, and then just kind of going on again in the grand scheme of things, it's my dog's making noise. It's, uh, you know, again, all irrelevant compared with the life and legacy of RJ, but we had other action this weekend. So you had the Cincinnati open, uh, so now this was Novak's first action in the U.S. in in quite a minute, if I saw correctly. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, you know, he's he's had a very interesting schedule the past three years, per se. Um, yes, obviously. So Novak's, you know, again, we don't get into <laughs> politics. We don't get into you know all that you know mumbo jumbo here on Train Arc. But that was basically the reason why his traffic with travel was so restricted. His ability to play in these were so restricted. And fans have clearly been missing out because he comes in yeah. and he goes to the finals and they put on an absolute classic against uh, Carlos Alcaraz in the final of the Cincinnati Open, seven, winning 5-7, seven, 7-6, seven, six, seven, six. So just about as good of a matchup as you can get in tennis. Coco Goff winning on the women's side, so a lot of excitement there. Should be a great kind of road as we go on to the U.S. Open at the end of this month. So that's very exciting. Uh, speaking of exciting, we had the women's world cup. Now I am not going to throw any shade at this, but I got to be honest. Once the U S women got eliminated, I kind of fell off the tracks about this. Now I know it was still there to gamble on every day. I know it was like Spain and England down to the end, if I recall correctly. Yep. Uh, but you know, what was your take on this? Did you follow this all the way to the end or was it once repeat once Rapino go? Did you did slick go? I did because I was in Australia when the tournament started and um, you know, obviously hyped for their own country team, but the Matildas, as they call themselves, ended up doing really well and yeah. took themselves to the semifinals. Unfortunately, caught the palms in the semifinals. I was hoping if they got England, it would be in the final. But, you know, I'm just glad that they made it as far as they did. But, yeah, once once Australia was out of there, um, my motivation was gone to wake up at 6 a.m. on the next Sunday. But, you know, congrats to Spain. Uh, if I had to pick a team in that final, um, I'd pick them because I'm not a fan of England. But I know Al had a lot of uh, future money on England to win the tournament. So you might be gone, Al, but we're, we're still going to break. We're, we, we're still we're still we're still mourning your losses, Al, no matter no matter what happens Absolutely. here on Trainwreck tonight. 305 brought to you by Outlet Liquor. And speaking of mourning, speaking of disasters. Uh, Bill Steelers, uh, did, how much did you catch of this? Not a whole lot. I want to say the first half is primarily what I caught, but even the first quarter, I was really disaster. Uh, 
Any yeah, word but disaster to sum it up? I mean, the offense couldn't do anything. The defense couldn't stop anybody. And everyone was getting a flag thrown on in that first half. You say penalties. you watched the first half. I'd say you watched enough. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the penalties reminded me of t- like 2014, man. It was- I was going to say this, this, this whole performance, whether it was not able to really do- score on offense, because they were moving the ball a little bit but not able to score, not able to stop anybody in tons of penalties. Reminded me of those early 2010s bills, Chan Gailey, uh, Dick Duran or whatever, you know, in the late 2000s there, just penalty after penalty, couldn't stop it. 100%. And like you said, there were some good spots. I think there are a couple guys specifically that showed out and, and not necessarily showed out in helping the offense. Um, for, for their own roles, for, points, for, their, for yes. their own, yeah, persona. Yeah, I agree own, 100%. Own spots on the depth chart or even just making the roster as a whole. I think Gabe Davis looked like a legitimate wide receiver too. Oh, yeah, um, I, I agree with that. I think, you know, if we're going on individual performances, I would say the playmakers overall played well on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, was impressed by Kincaid, and I like too. that grab by Sherfield. I mean, let's face it, yeah. I, I know that – you know, it's a battle for Shakir, Sherfield, Hardy, and they all kind of got reps in there. But, uh, you know, I need a guy who's going to make that grab, who's going to be able to go over the middle and come down to the ball, things like that. Because I do have so much faith in Gabe Davis, Stefan Diggs, Dalton Kincaid, Dawson Knox. I need that fifth, that sixth target to be dependable, to be someone I can count on. And I love that I saw that at a Sherfield on like a big third and 15. He goes over the middle and makes that catch. So happy about that. And yeah, happy about what, uh, you know, Kincaid was able to do against some of those uh, Steelers backups for sure. Yeah, there are absolutely some upsides that we took away from this. Obviously, the downsides are much more obvious. We're more fully on display. And the biggest thing for me is that old line, man. Oh, my goodness. I mean, when you have Josh Allen trying to do Josh Allen things with three seconds on the clock in the first quarter of a preseason game. Troublesome. That's when you know it's time to get him the hell off the field. And I, I know some people were like poking some of the blame at Josh. Josh was running for his life. Running for his for life. Most of that quarter. So I have no issue with Josh. Uh, Josh is our is the man. Quite simply, the man. And there's no question about it. But that O-line, something needs to be done. And protection needs to be a huge, huge part of that. Folks, protection does need to be a huge part of that. We'll see what the bill is going forward. In just a couple of minutes, we'll be joined by Jenna Harner of WPXI making her third train wreck tonight appearance. We will be talking Bill Steelers with her Pittsburgh expertise there, as well as catching up on all that's happened since she's moved to Pittsburgh. But speaking of slick, speaking of the weekend recap, sometimes you just got to let the slick do the talking. In the main event, Sean O'Malley versus Aljamain Funkmaster Sterling for the Bantamweight title of the world. I see a lot of people on Aljo here. I know Sean gets hate, but I think if he can stuff one takedown, just one, I think he gets a finish here. A huge knockout. Destiny calls Sean O'Malley's name tonight as he gets that belt wrapped around his waist. I'm going with O'Malley on the money line at plus 210. Take a knockout if you want to get Okay, you can more? take a neck out if you want to get a little bit more money, and you would. It's like getting everybody paid over on DDZ. Um, so it goes without saying, you weren't shocked by this result, but I guess were you shocked by the way it happened? And, I mean, I think you pointed it out, uh, you know, UFC kind of releasing that video right away, not something they typically do from their events. So UFC kind of trying to make a new superstar here in Sugar Sean? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, ever since he stepped foot in the octagon in the contender series, the sugar show has seemingly been upon us and it went into full throttle um, early Sunday morning as Sean O'Malley knocked Aljamain Sterling out 50 seconds into round two. I guess if something shocked me, it would probably be uh, how quickly that happened. Um, I thought maybe it would take a bit longer for Aljo to make a mistake here. But like I said, if Sean just stuffed one takedown, which he did, he looked great with his uh, uh, takedown defense and cage control, leaning on the fence to kind of stabilize that takedown attempt from Sterling. Um, and Sterling got a little reckless. He realized his game plan wasn't going to work, and he went away from the game plan. And that's one thing in MMA that you should never do if you listen to your coaches correctly. I don't know. Maybe Sterling was riding the high. He definitely overlooked O'Malley. Um, he was saying in the press conference, this guy's a bum. He's fought nobody. And you kind of talk yourself into that when you're trying to sell a fight. And uh, it really showed with Aljo. We know Aljo can get caught on the chin. It just hasn't happened. He's somehow managed to, to defend this belt the most times in Bantamweight history in the UFC to the point where people were calling him the Bantamweight GOAT. I wasn't ready to do that. Uh, Sean knows what he has in that right hand, like he said, and he showed it. And I said to my friends before this fight happened, this fight was very, very similar in the feel to the buildup to McGregor versus Jose Aldo. You know, Jose Aldo was on this big win streak. He looked unbeatable. There was all this hype around McGregor, but like, can he do it against one of the greatest of all time? And then Sean finished the fight with the exact same move that McGregor finished Aldo with. Just happened to be a round later. Sterling went for the jab out of the southpaw, and Sean countered with a straight right hand, and it doesn't get much more perfectly down the pipe than it was. And good night now, Aljamain Sterling and new Sean O'Malley. Seriously, you know, you're so excited about it. Slicks, Sugar, Sean, for sure. Um, I was going to ask his follow about to see Slick. We know the answer to that. So with that said, goals, Slick, what do you got before week one of the NFL? Anything you're targeting? Anything you want to get done before then? Or uh, we just cruising into the NFL season here? Um, cruising a little. What's the official date on Bill's first game? September 11, Monday Night Football. 21 okay, days yep. away. You know, we're kind of cruising through these next couple weeks with the UFC. Still going to be some slick cards this Saturday from Singapore. We got Max Holloway versus the Korean Zombie. Two absolute legends of the sport. Should be a great fight. Then Cyril Gan versus Sergey Spivak. Kind of an up-and-comer in the heavyweight division. Going through Gan. Most recently lost to Jones. And then two days before Bill's uh, season opener. UFC 293 in Sydney, Australia. Wow. Talk about bender, Sean Strickland. I mean, <laughs> Stylebender Israel Adesanya defends the middleweight belt against Sean Strickland. And if you know anything about those two guys, that press conference might be better than the fight. Seriously, but it is going to be main event worthy. Uh, speaking of main event, thank you to the main event Slick L for stopping by here on Trainer Tonight 305. You got any shout outs before you sign off? Uh, shout out to Sugar Sean O'Malley and uh, shout out to Jessica Pagula. I know she didn't get it done in Cincy, but with the tournament win prior and then heading right over to Cincy, nothing but respect for our Jesse. 
And um, I'm sure she's as pumped for Bill's season as we are. So seriously, right around the corner, she'll be looking to make some noise in that U.S. Open before the Bill's season opens as well. So very excited about that. Thanks for joining us, Slick. On the other side of this ad from Outlet Liquor, we will be joined by our guest, Jenna Harner of W. Outlet Liquor is your place to buy a case. Stock up and save when you shop the lowest prices available every day at Outlet Liquor. You never have to wait for a sale. The more you buy, the more you save. Only at Outlet Liquor. What's your... All right, folks. And as train wreck tonight, 305 rolls on. Brought to you by Outlet Liquor. At this time, we are honored to bring on a special guest for her third, third time, three time appearance on train wreck tonight. Jenna Harner, formerly of WIVB, now of WPXI. Jenna, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's, you know, my annual appearance. I love it. Third time's the charm. You know, I'm glad to be back. Seriously, I know you've learned a lot from your past appearances, so nothing's going to catch you off guard, obviously. But real quick, obviously, it's a Monday. Uh, How was the weekend outside of, uh, you know, uh, sorry, uh, Steelers Bills? Weekend was really great. Pittsburgh has awesome food festivals, as does Buffalo. So I just, you know, carried that tradition over here. But uh, they had Little Italy days this past weekend. So my fiance and I went down and got all the Italian deliciousness you could think of. Pepperoni rolls, ravioli, sausage and peppers, gelato, cannolis. It was amazing. Lemoncello spritz also. Phenomenal. Cannot go wrong with lemoncello. That is a fact. And speaking of not going wrong, obviously, uh, Jen, I know you've been on the show before, but yeah, uh, you know, for Buffalo viewers, this might be their first time seeing you in a couple of years. Um, so catch me up, obviously, you know, it was right, right around COVID start. You went to Pittsburgh and yeah, it's been a flash. I mean, almost a thousand days, I want to say around since then. How has the experience been? Uh, you know, how has the move to Pittsburgh? How has the overall experience kind of? It's been phenomenal. And it was so funny in the weirdest way because I, I never felt like I really got to say a true goodbye to Buffalo with the fact that the pandemic happened. And I moved that first full week of the shutdown back in March 2020. So I'm glad it was that way, though, because I, I miss Buffalo so much. I, I love the city more than anything. But Pittsburgh's been absolutely phenomenal. And it's been so cool just to kind of see the similarities between both. I feel like I talk about that all the time. And anybody who's been to both kind of always talks about that. But it's been incredible here. You know, I've gotten to cover so many amazing things, Steelers, Penguins, Pirates, you know, just everything pit football that's here. We do so many awesome things. I had the chance to cover a Super Bowl. I it, It's still like, I feel like I'm like pinching myself. Like this all doesn't feel real, but it's been incredible and amazing. And I am so lucky that Buffalo was a stop on this career journey that I'm on and I've been having the best time, but it, it's, it's so cool. I, I say this all the time, but it's just been awesome to see like here and in Buffalo, like everybody lives, breathes, dies by their sports teams. And that, you know, make me just feel right at home since I moved here. Seriously, whether it's raising the Jolly Roger over the summer or getting ready to play Renegade in the fall, Pittsburgh uh, is no uh, joke to that as well. Uh, you know, I'm a little jealous. Uh, we're talking about playing catch up Heinz Field, the old name of the Pittsburgh field, obviously, at this point. Um, so a little pun there. But yeah, I mean, you're talking about Pittsburgh Pirates baseball all summer long. The sports truly, major league sports truly never stop in Pittsburgh. Something I'm jealous of. And you can't beat that backdrop at the Pittsburgh Pirates field. Uh, it is absolutely beautiful. The product on the field 
getting better. Not fantastic, but I mean, when you're going to a ballpark and it looks like that, it is just unbelievable. I am always going to be true to Fenway Park. That was my childhood park that I grew up going to. And obviously as a Red Sox fan, but you, you walk out in PNC Park and you just overlook like there's no bad seat in the house. It's it's beautiful. And it's just, you're, you're sitting up in the press box, you're looking out over the city and you're just like, how is this a real view? Seriously, unreal in many ways, shapes, and forms. Uh, speaking of unreal in many ways, shapes, and forms, uh, just getting away from the Pittsburgh talk a little bit. Uh, this past week, unfortunately, uh, we had Bill uh, Sabres play-by-play legend uh, Rick Jenneret pass away uh, at the age, I think it was 82, um, but just kind of catching up there. I know that you you know, were here during some of this time, and I know it goes without saying any Sabres, and those weren't the greatest times for the Sabres, even though it was, I believe, during the 10-game uh, win streak there in 2018 and 2019, which did provide some magical moments. But just wanted to ask you real quick, did you get any chance to kind of brush elbows with RJ or any experiences that maybe stuck out to you? I did. And uh, he will be so truly missed when that news came in the other day. I just kind of, you know, sat there. You sat in shock a little bit and you're just, you know, you're like how he's such a vibrant guy. He had so much life to him and, you know, he will forever be missed. Um, everywhere in the hockey world in the city of Buffalo. Um, but I, I I was so lucky to get to know him just a little bit. You know, I when I came to Buffalo um, back in 2018 and, you know, it's my first taste of covering an NHL team, covering NFL teams, you know, I'm in the Sabres locker room kind of pretty frequently and covering games every, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, it seemed like. Uh, and I, you know, I'm young, I'm a young reporter. I'm just trying to do my own thing and not get in anybody's way and not, you know, make any waves or things like that, you know, keep to myself a little bit, just do my job and do what I need to do. But RJ, no matter who you were, he always treated you like he knew you for years and years and years and was just so kind, you know, he'd always say hello to me. And I'm like, I, we've never physically, you know, actually introduced ourselves in that way, but he would always say hello. I always would laugh because I would always seem to run into him in the press box at the snack table. And he would have some funny comment about whatever snack I was having that day, you know, probably scooping Sour Patch Kids into a cup or something. And he's like, ah, sweet tooth over there. So he just always was so kind. And, you know, you would just see him in the press box, smile, say hello. And he'd always have that conversation. I wish I had gotten to know him more, but his legacy is something that will just live forever. And I'm so, so, so happy to that he got to experience his appreciation night last year. Something that Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin always says is, you know, give people their flowers while they're still alive and still around to smell them. And I'm so beyond glad that the city had that chance to celebrate with with him the city of buffalo had the chance to celebrate with rj and that he had the opportunity to just know how loved he is and how much everybody just loved what he did and loved what he brought to the game and he will be just so 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 missed and it's funny because calling a spade a spade, you know, there have been things the Sabres organization has been called out for operationally over the last, you know, decade or so when things haven't been going so great. Every Sabres fan, every member of the Sabres personnel agrees that RJ Knight was literally perfection. Uh, a lot of hype and, and it definitely delivered. And uh, so obviously we'll be missed. And, you know, it's just funny. They're playing, uh, you know, some of his greatest calls in Alumni Plaza or everything. It's just it's immortalization. Uh, you know, when you live like that within a fan base and everything like that, you know, you might pass away, but obviously his legend will always live on. Um, just speaking of the hype, 
real quick here as we segue back into some Pittsburgh talk. Uh, I was talking with Reed Ferguson as, as I'm basically stalling, if you can't tell, on Trade Rec tonight 305, as long as I can before we actually get to this Bills Steelers game. Uh, but uh, Reed Ferguson had wanted to prioritize some Permanti bros. So I had a question for you. Is Permanti bros really all it's made out to be? Or is it kind of like the, you know, like you were in Buffalo for a while. You know, sometimes people would say, oh, yeah, the Anchor Bar was the original and it's the popular one for tourists, but it's not the best. Where, where does Permanti bros fall in that vibe? What do you think of Pittsburgh food and, and that kind of topic? Well, Permanis, if you are coming to Pittsburgh, you have to go to the OG Permanis. It's in the Strip District, which is a really historic part of Pittsburgh, and it is classic as classic can be. I love it. It's people, people have their thoughts and feelings. You got to understand like coleslaw there is different than anything I've ever had, and it's phenomenal. Okay. I'm not a big coleslaw person normally. So the coleslaw on the sandwich. The fries on the sandwich. Also something I know if you're not from Pittsburgh, people are like, ah, I don't know. But it's because of the whole reason that Permani started where truck drivers were coming through the city and they were like, don't, I don't, I don't need sides of fries and coleslaw. I'll just put it all on my sandwich. I'm taking it with me. I'm going and I'm eating it. So I'm a big fan of usually I'll get the pastrami and then I'll do everything on top of it. I'm not a big tomato person on it. So I take the, tomato. I, you're, you're preaching to the choir. I, I, I am not the biggest tomato fan. My girlfriend like makes fun of me. Like we were at a party yesterday. There were some cherry tomatoes. She's like, you want any? I go, no, like keep them away from me at all points. Just not a tomato. Mm -hmm. I don't like soggy. I like to maintain the flavor crisp and crunch of what I'm eating. Yep. And the bread too. the bread Mancini's bread from Pittsburgh. It's a famous local bakery. Phenomenal. So I love it. I think it's definitely if you're coming to Pittsburgh and you've never been, you have to try it just for the authenticity and getting that true taste of the city. But the food scene here in Pittsburgh, as it was in Buffalo, is phenomenal. There's so many incredible local restaurants I love. I'll give one shout out and I'll tell people that if you come to Pittsburgh, if you're trying Permanis, you also should go to Gaucho. It is this Argentinian it's not even a steakhouse. It, it's kind of a steakhouse, but it's just this Argentinian restaurant. It is kind of the favorite of a lot of athletes. Cam Hayward loves it. All the baseball players, when they travel into town, that's like kind of their spot that they, you know, will get takeout from and stuff like that. Their steak sandwich is to die for, but it is just uh, the food scene here. I could go on and on for days. It's, it's phenomenal. I do miss the Buffalo food scene though, just because, oh man, I miss the wings. Yeah, you got to get those chicken finger subs, those wings, beef on whack, of course. But it's glad, to, great to know that you moved on to another food haven. And by the way, Cam Hayward, we'll get into him in a second. Probably the only player, and I get, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers are a great organization. Tomlin has been, you know, consistent, if not anything, over these last, you know, decade plus. Cam Hayward was the only player who I felt like the Bills should have drafted that guy. Out mm -hmm. of OSU, I believe, uh, originally, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but just was an absolute playmaker dominating at school. And yeah, I was a little disappointed when they didn't get him. So you bring that name up. It always gets a little bit on my edge, but speaking bit. of bringing names up, speaking of putting on edge, Jenna Harner, are we going to keep the Harner name with this engagement? I'm not going to get too crazy in it. We could talk whatever you want, but that's part of the three years since you left. You're, you're engaged now. Yep. I'm engaged. It's crazy and surreal and I my fiance Mike is beyond beyond incredible we actually met covering the penguins so kind of you know all worked out beyond perfectly um I am gonna keep 
Jenna Harner for television. That just has been something that's, you know, that's my name. That's what I've been recognized by. But I was um, going to say for the Twitter handle, too, that, that getting the verification back in could be a little bit of a, you know, an obstacle. So Mike's got to understand this is about the Harner, <laughs> the Jenna brand that we need to preserve. It is. But I, I will change my name legally when we actually get married next summer. But um, yeah, keeping it for keeping it for television. It's funny. A lot of like I, I tell everybody, a lot of the main anchors at your station that you watch that everybody, you know, has their local favorite. It's their their names might not, on TV aren't actually their real names. But again, it's just the brand that you build and what people know you by. And I feel like if I you know change my name, people are like, people in Pittsburgh would recognize it because they obviously know Mike from his coverage. But other people will be like, wait, who, who are you? What's going on? <laughs> It's okay. Nobody could forget who Jenna Hart is. But again, congratulations to you and Mike on the happy engagement. Uh, Speaking of not so happy engagements, I have delayed this for 12 minutes, 12 and a half minutes here. Bills, Steelers. I was talking with Jenna, you know, I started looking at this. I'm like, oh, the Bills are going to get their starters in. We'll actually have something to talk about versus, you know, just preseason fluff. My goodness, Jenna, I mean, you know, Buffalo sports fans, you know, they're passionate and you know, they react a, a, a thousand percent. It's not zero to a hundred real quick. It's zero to a thousand real quick. Yeah. So with that said, I mean, did you, did, what did you think of the bill? I'm going to flip it on you. Cause I know you cover obviously the Steelers. What did you think of the bills performance Saturday? It was surprising in kind of all facets. It was surprising in terms of what I thought we were going to see from the Steelers and from what I thought we were going to see from the bills, because one of the biggest things that, we were intrigued here about here in Pittsburgh was how are the Steelers starters on defense? Because they didn't play a lot. Week one, we had the majority of their big guys, TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick. A lot of those guys didn't play against Tampa in their first preseason game. And, you know, it was going to be okay. Not only are you going to get your first preseason start and you take all of that for a grain of salt, but you're going to do it against Josh Allen, who absolutely tore ripped the top off of the offense last year of the Steelers defense last year and just made them look completely silly. So I was really impressed with what we saw from the Steelers. And I keep saying this too. I feel like we've had this conversation a lot. I've had this conversation a lot lately with everybody, but it's like, it's preseason. You can take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, especially with week one too, because I mean, I use this example, but the Steelers, forced Joe Burrow to look so silly in week one last year and look at where the Bengals ended up. So I'm like, take everything for what it's worth a little bit. But I, I I was a little surprised at the Bills offensive line. And I know that that's been a big topic of conversation throughout training camp, but I, it, it was surprising, but also it's the Bills. It's Josh Allen. This offense has so many weapons. They're going to be totally fine. They're also not going to rack up. What was it? 10 penalties for however many yards and she's yeah i mean they were they were going off i know people are trying to set guinness you know book of world records here in buffalo but i mean that was way too many penalties i mean it was just alarming because yeah the you're, you hit the nail on the head but there's not a lot that bills fans have been worried about this offseason as a matter of fact the last two to three weeks one of the priority talking points has been backup QB, which just kind of shows how you know good a situation has it with a football team. And yeah, I think it was a wake-up call slash alarming the way they played. I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't know what happened with the defense. I don't know if this is the defense that McDermott's planning on rolling into the season and you know, we're getting gashed for 60-yard running plays. I know the Steelers wanted to establish the run going into this game, but that was like a little bit too much. 
Uh, but yeah, it's just, you don't, you're, you, you kind of hit it on the head preseason week one and two historically, it's just not a, like a massive indicator of what's actually going to happen. So it's tough because you've been waiting, you know, fans have been waiting here in Buffalo seven weeks for action or seven months for Josh Allen action. And that's the first thing they see. So as you can imagine, some of the overreactions are a little bit crazy. There are some people saying McDermott should be fired, hot seat, all this stuff. Keep in mind, the guy literally signed an extension 58 days ago. So if there's any more proof that the week-to-week nature of the NFL is back, uh, that is for certain. Um, so with that said, um, going to the other side of the ball, uh, you know, the Steelers did a lot well in that first half, which is really, you know, I guess as an assessor, all you really look for, uh, you know, out of the team. But what do you think they really need to focus on, the Steelers, uh, between now and week one of the regular season? Well, number one, the obvious answer just staying healthy because that's such a crucial part of this game and what this team is looking to do but the offense has been such a big talking point coming into this season how is Kenny Pickett going to look in year two is he going to take that next step how is this offense going to come together are they going to be able to find more explosive plays are they going to be able to establish the run and in the two preseason games that we've seen that's been the case. So it's, hey, can they continue to build on that? Because at training camp, when we were talking to a lot of the guys, especially some of the younger guys, this offense is incredibly young with all the guys that they have in that room, especially the receivers. Can they just continue to build on what they've been building on? Because again, this Steelers offense was not an explosive one by any means last year. And they we've seen them march down the field. And again, it's preseason. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. But We've seen them march down the field and find the end zone and score touchdowns. And that was something they struggled in a lot last year. Not only the big plays, but once they got into the red zone, I think they were like, they had like a 51% completion in the red zone, something to that extent. So it really wasn't great. So it's, can that offense continue to build on that? Can Kenny Pickett continue to make the decisions that we saw him make? Because that touchdown to Pat Fryermuth, you saw him, Najee Harris was wide open in the flat and everyone's kind of referring to that now, but He was decisive and he made that play and it's showing, hey, he's taking a little bit of a leap. Is that going to be able to be something that this team can consistently do this season? So that's going to be a big thing I'm really intrigued about. And then just kind of how the special team sorts itself out in this final preseason game. I know everybody looks to the third preseason game. It's like, okay, it's all the guys fighting for the jobs and who are we going to see? So it's kind of how the Steelers special teams unit looks to shake out because they lost a lot of key pieces there this off season. So a lot to be intrigued about, but I mean, it's just so exciting. Gosh, we're what a couple weeks away from we're less than two weeks, three weeks away from the first Sunday of football, which how did we get here? Seriously, two weeks, three days and eight hours, but who is counting for the NFL season? I mean, and again, that'll be the jet stream before you know it. And I use jet stream, even though the bills are playing the jets because when week one gets here, it'll be what week six, seven, eight, before you know it, of course. So Hold on to your butts in the words of Samuel L. Jackson from Jurassic Park. Jenna, thank you so much for joining us here on Trainwreck Tonight 305. It was always great to catch up. Glad to uh, get you on for a third time here. With that said, any uh, shout outs or sign offs before we go? Oh, always a great question. I want to shout you guys out because thank you for having me as always. I've missed this. I miss you guys. Shouts to everybody in Buffalo. Also, I miss you guys as well. Um, and shout out to little Italy days, the festival, phenomenal ravioli. So all the fun things, shout out to Lemoncello and little Italy days. Love it. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining us. Make sure you go have a good night now.